fun, but I'm glad we can come together. We can worship together. Uh, and I, uh, God's word is special. And uh, I hope it's special to you too. There is nothing like this book. I've read many books in my day and there's nothing that comes anywhere near the word of God. So I'm thankful we can get into it today, but we're going to start in verse 15. So Romans chapter six, starting in verse 15, really above where we were uh, last week, but it says this, Romans six fifteen. what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh, for as ye have yielded your members to servants to uncleanliness and to iniquity upon iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, uh, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and to the end everlasting life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for being able to worship together. We thank you for uh, bringing us in. And Lord, I pray that your word would go out today. Use me, Lord, to preach. Fill me with the unction of the Holy Spirit. Open up our ears and our minds to what you have to say. And Lord, I pray that you would can touch hearts today. Lord, I don't know everyone's heart, but you do. And Lord, if there's any lost, I pray they'd come to know you before it's too late. And in Jesus' name we pray. And amen. So Paul is writing to the church at Rome, and uh, in the book of Romans, he completely covers the topic of salvation, but he doesn't just explain how to be saved, he explains uh, the, also about what happens after you're saved. And in this passage, he's talking about the Christians and their relationship uh, with sin. So in the beginning, uh, one of my favorite verses, for some reason, uh, is in the first verse of this chapter. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And he doesn't say no or maybe or if you can. He says, God forbid, yeah. right? Just like he says in the verse we talked about in our passage, he says, God forbid to those things. He's saying, how, uh, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Hey, there's a, a difference in a relationship. And that's what he says. Uh, before you were saved, you were a bondage to sin. But after you're saved by Jesus Christ, uh, that sin has a different hold on you. Uh, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about. But he, he explains this, and just before the passage, he tells us to not let sin reign over us either. So uh, that's what he's saying. So verse 15, again, another God forbid a verse. What then, shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? That's a question. God forbid. That's what he's saying. That's his answer. He's saying, hey, uh, if you are someone that is saved by Jesus Christ, uh, you've trusted in him for salvation. Uh, so you're not under the law, but you're under grace. Uh, shall we sin? And he's saying, God forbid. Galatians chapter three uh, talks about the law uh, and the scripture and different things like that. In verse 24, uh, uh, 
First, after saying that we're all under sin, verse 24, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. The next verse says, but after the faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster for ye are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. So uh, here's the thing. If we, uh, if it weren't for the law, we wouldn't have realized that we'd sinned against God. You know, the Bible, if it weren't for the Bible telling us to uh, to not bear false witness uh, against, uh, to not bear a false witness or not to lie, we would have never known that whenever we lie, uh, you know, sure, this world will say it's a bad thing. You know, lying's a bad thing. Well, unless it's convenient or unless you need to or unless it's a little white lie. But God's saying, thou shalt not bear false witness. He's saying, I don't want you to lie. And when you do, you're sinning against God in heaven. And it's because the the law tells us that, the Bible tells us that, we can understand that we're sinners. Because if we didn't know, this world's not going to tell you things that God say is wrong is wrong. Right? This world says it's okay. This world has adopted nearly the opposite of everything that God has said to do or what not to do. This world will tell you the opposite. So the law is what told us that we needed, uh, that we're a sinner and that we need salvation. But once you're saved, we don't need the law in the same way. And I've said this before. Once we're saved, we're not led by rules anymore. We're led by the Holy Spirit. We're led by God's word. You know, this world will give you a rule for everything, won't they? They'll make a law for everything. If you don't believe me, just try to do your taxes by yourself. If you don't think there's not a law for any ever or a rule for everything, it gets crazy. But I, I remembered uh, this one, and for some reason, this rule stuck with me. I was in real estate law class, uh, and they were talking about things. and And he mentioned uh, uh, he was also a developer, and he mentioned this big development, and he mentioned that they almost had something about I don't remember the exact story, but. Uh, They had almost forgotten to build a retention pond. And he said the reason was, when you build something like a giant parking lot, what happens when it rains? When it rains out in the field, the ground starts to soak it in, right? It doesn't, you know, it takes care of most of it. It starts to rain on a parking lot. That water's got to go somewhere. Well, if you don't build anything and your neighbor is downhill and it hits that parking lot, all that water's going down to where your neighbor's at, right? And it's a big old mess if you don't do things. That's why the world uh, uh, in Ohio and in different places, they've created a law where you have to take care of that runoff. So basically, the amount of runoff that was before your parking lot, you have to make it so it's the same afterwards. So you have to build those ponds. You have to do drainage. You have to do all sorts of things. You're probably like, Mike, why are you talking about all this? Because there's a rule for everything. And God, now let me ask you this question. In the Bible, is there a rule for taking care of the rain runoff of the storm drains and everything? No, you're not going to find it in there. But what you will find is this. Jesus Christ said, love your neighbor as yourself. And that covers it. We don't need a rule for everything. This world needs a rule for everything. We don't need those laws anymore. Why? Because that covers it all. If you're asking a Christian, do you need to take care of your neighbor and not make sure it doesn't flood them out? Yes. Amen. Yes, you do. Because you've got to love your neighbor as yourself. I hope I didn't lose everyone. We'll keep going on. No more rules, no more real estate, no more parking lots. We'll be okay. But if you're saved, you're not under the law anymore. So then the question is, well, if I'm not under the law, can I just live how I want? 
God forbid. That's what he's getting at right here. God forbid. Right at the beginning. Uh, we said all that to get to the first, uh, first verse. But then he says, know ye not, verse 16, that to whom ye yield yourselves, servant to obey, uh, his servants are ye to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Now, I'll tell you, it's hard for me to even say that one out loud. It's a tricky verse, a tricky sentence uh, uh, we have here, a couple of them. Uh, it, it is tricky, but at the beginning, He's saying, no, ye not. He's saying, don't, we would say, don't you know? And then the tricky wording, uh, he's saying, uh, talking about yielding, that's giving in. So if you yield yourselves, servants to obey, uh, and then you, you allow yourself to do these things. So what he's saying is, hey, whatever you allow or you yield or whatever in your life you're giving into, you become a servant to that. Whatever you obey, you become a servant to that thing. Whatever you're yielding to, whatever you're giving into, that's what he's saying. Uh, so whatever uh, you allow to drive you in your life or whatever your passion is or whatever this world wants to call it, that is what you become a servant to. And we don't like that word, do we? We don't like the word servant. We really don't like the word slavery. We don't like any of those words. But the Bible uses the word servant. I looked it up this morning. Uh, in the Bible program, I did a search, and servant, servants, servanthood, all those words are in the Bible over a thousand times. The Bible talks about it a lot. And he's saying, hey, if you don't realize it, you're serving something. You're a servant of someone or something. You will, whatever you let drive your life becomes your master. That's what he's saying right here. Verse 17. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. See, you get where, but now you've obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. He's saying, hey, uh, reminding you again, he's talking to Christians that are saved by Jesus Christ. You used to be, you were the servants of sin. Before you came to Jesus Christ, you had a master and that was sin and the devil. What do we see people today? What's driving their lives? What's driving the lives of people that aren't Christians? What do we see? Well, you can come up with many examples. Well, somebody might say, well, drugs and alcohol drives a lot of this world, right? They can't socialize together. They can't make a business decision. They can't uh, have a relationship. They can't do anything without these things, right? You know people like that? They couldn't do a thing without alcohol at all. They're a servant to that. You realize that? They're under it. They're a slave to alcohol. They can't get from out of it. And you're thinking, well, whew, glad I don't drink. Okay, good. We're, we're, we're great. We're, that's good. But I'm telling you what. Maybe you look at somebody and you're saying, hey, that's a good person, right? You know people like that? They're moral people. They're good people. They'll help you out. They'll do things like that, you know, when you want them to. But I'm telling you what, a good person by this world's standards that doesn't know Jesus Christ is still a servant of sin. It may not look the same as a different sin. It may not be as outwardly visible what sin they're committing. But I'm telling you what, the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Still a servant of sin. Because whatever that is, is keeping them from Jesus Christ ruling over their lives. 
But he's saying right here, but thank God we've been delivered from the bondage of sin. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he paid the penalty of sin. He died. He rose from the dead three days later. He purchased us. If you are saved today, uh, I love the book of Hosea. It gives a picture of uh, a, a slave being bought, right? A price being paid uh, on the slave market of sin. That's where we were. We were worthless. We were useless. Uh, we were a rebel. We had nothing to bring. And Jesus Christ died for our sins. He paid the price. He bought us, paid in full his life for ours. And you think about that. Uh, so it, we had nothing to give, but he gave his whole life for us. Aren't you glad he's freed us from the bondage of sin? But look at the last half of the verse. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which is delivered to you. You know what? If you're obedient to the Lord, if you listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit, you walk by faith, you're a Christian, and you do what God wants you to do, He starts to mold your heart, right? He's saying forming it, right? He wants to mold uh, with, uh, He uses His Word, uh, and He molds your heart what, into what? To what He wants you to be, to be more like Christ. And He says, hey, you know what we use to do that? We use doctrine. That's why we still preach doctrine here. That's why we still get in as much as we can to the entire Bible. Uh, because it is all uh, it is all important for us to live our lives. But that's what God wants to do. He wants to not just save you, uh, but he wants to form you into what he wants you to be. He wants you to draw you closer to him. Uh, those things that held you bondage, he wants to set you free from them. That's what he wants. Verse 18, being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. Remember what I said. You're going to serve something. You're going to serve someone. Uh, and when you let Jesus Christ be your master, uh, uh, this is what God is saying. I want you to switch masters. You were a servant of sin. Now that you're saved, I want you to be a servant of righteousness. That's what he's saying right there. Your old master was the devil. He hated you. He lied to you. He deceived you. He wants to kill you. That was your old master. You've got a new master now. Uh, uh, now that that the, the, the gospel has opened up your blinded eyes. You've seen the light of the truth uh, and, and you were headed for uh, death and the wages of sin is always death. That's what we talked about last week. But now God has a better life for you. We have a new master. We're not serving sin anymore. No, we are a servant of Jesus Christ now. Sin used to reign over us. But once you're saved... That sin no longer has the power over you that it did before. And now you used to be in bondage to sin. Now we choose to sin. That's the difference. That's what this chapter is trying to get across. You used to sin because you were a sinner. Once you're saved, you're yielding one way or another. That's what he's saying. You're making a choice. Who are we yielding to? Are we going to yield to sin or yield ourselves to righteousness? Verse 19, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of the fresh flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity upon unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. And now he's saying, hey, uh, once you're saved, uh, here's the thing. Here, here's what I've heard before. I don't know if you've ever heard this. Once you're saved, you'll never sin again. 
That's a lie. Because he never saves the flesh. Right? The flesh is still here. The same old sinful flesh. Now we get a new heart. We get a new mind. Holy Spirit's inside of us. Same old flesh. Because if it was, if the flesh was saved, we wouldn't sin again. There wouldn't be any more temptation anymore. We get all these things. But now we have a choice. But even the righteous, even the saved, what do we have to do? We still have those desires that come in. We still have temptations. And the choice is, are we going to yield to sin? Are we going to yield to righteousness? And the great thing is, once you're saved, God will help you with that. Remember I said before, there are things people are in bondage to. They'll never get out of it. Now a Christian, there are things you might be in bondage to. He can help you with that. I'm not saying you may not struggle with something the rest of your life, but you will not struggle alone and you'll not do that by yourself. He will help you if you go to him. He'll help you. Now remember, what did the old master sin? What, what, the old master, he brought shame and pain and frustration and it would have led to death if you let it, if spiritual death. But now that you're saved, we have a new master who cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He gives us joy. He gives us comfort. He gives us grace and he gives us strength. Praise God. I like that switch, don't you? Amen. Being saved is amazing. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever had a boss that was awful? I mean, just a bad one, right? Hated going into work, couldn't stand them. They didn't know what they were talking about. You know, has nobody had one of these? Everyone's had good bosses? Okay, Carrie's volunteering, one person. (laughs) I'm talking about just a bad boss. Now, hopefully that's not your current boss, but a bad one in the past. And you remember the feeling when you got away from that boss? Yeah. Yeah. Man, that next one, it didn't matter if they were average, they were great. Right? Compared to the old one? Man, you're like, finally, I've gotten out of there. Finally, someone who cares about me. Finally, someone who's helping me to grow. Uh, Everything's great. Uh, uh, I enjoy going to work. I don't dread it. Uh, But now imagine tomorrow morning, I'm going back to the old boss. Right? I'm going to go find the old boss. I'm going to find them and ask them, what do you want me to do today? Right? How crazy would that be? You would never do that. Or would we? When a Christian that's saved by Jesus Christ, cleansed from sin, still has the flesh, but also has the Holy Spirit, that has the Bible to lead you, that has access to the throne in prayer, when we yield ourselves to sin, we're going back to the old boss, back to the devil, and saying, what do you want me to do today? I'm your servant today. That's what Paul's saying. Why would you go back? The devil hates you. He wanted to ruin your life. He wanted to, yeah, give you a little bit of material success, a little bit of uh, career success and different things like that. But ultimately, he wants you dead. Many we see doing that, taking their life because there's, there's no hope anymore. Reaching the pinnacle of everything this world has to offer. And then they find them dead in a hotel room. Why? Because that's what the devil wants. Now, why on earth would one of us go back to him and say, I'm here again? Mm. 
I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded, he's talking to Christians, yielded your members to uncleanness and to iniquity upon iniquity. He's saying, if you've done that, even though so, no, even so now yield your members, servants to righteousness unto holiness. He's saying, you've got to turn back. You've got to get away from that old master. Again, get away from him. Verse 21. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. I'll remind you, if you didn't know this, there is nothing, nothing glamorous about the life of a sinner. This world spends billions in advertising trying to convince us. They, they put billions into TV shows and movies and everything else to try to convince us that the life of a sinner is glamorous and it is all a deception. The life of a sinner is hard. That's what the Bible says. It's ugly. And you think about that. There's pleasure in sin for a season, but think of all the things you regretted. All those sinful decisions, regrets, you things you wish you could take back, but it's too late. All of those seeds that you sow to the flesh, the Bible says that you're continuing to reap today. See, before you were saved, you were deceived. But now there's no deception. But why would you allow the world to try to deceive you again? Why would we do that? There's fruits that come with sinning. When we yield our body to sin, it leads to death. Verse 22. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and unto everlasting life. So he's continuing in the analogy here. He's saying, hey, I want you to become servants to God. Let God lead your life. Let him uh, uh, guide you each and every day. You follow his will. Uh, and here's the thing. If you want to know what your purpose is in life as a Christian, you know, I, I've heard people struggling. I don't know what my purpose is. Your purpose is to serve God. Amen. That's what it is. You know, as I was saying, I searched that word servant in the Bible again over a thousand times. Uh, one of the early times I saw it uh, is Abraham was visited by the Lord in chapters 18 and 19. You know what he called himself to the Lord? He said, I'm your servant. Right? That's what Abraham said. Moses was called 17 times. He had this name that God had given him. He called him the servant of the Lord. That's Moses. Uh, Jude, near the end of the Bible, he's one of the 12 apostles. He wrote that one chapter, small book at the end. He calls himself the servant of Jesus Christ. He could have called himself an apostle. He said, no, I'm a servant. Amen. Who else? James. The book of James. James was Jesus's half brother. They grew up together in the same house, right? Jesus's father was not Joseph, but James's was. They grew together. They, you know, at first James uh, uh, didn't agree with Jesus, didn't accept him. But later on he did. And when he writes his book and he's saying who he is, you know, a lot of times we say, do you know who I am? He would have led with Jesus is my brother, right? He doesn't. You know what he says in James at the beginning? He says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't even let you know in that beginning that he's his brother. He's saying, hey, I'm his servant and he's my Lord. Even though we grew up together. Paul in Romans 1.1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. And it is over and over and over again. 
Does that describe you today? If you were going to write your book, and in that first verse you were going to say your name and who you are, are you a servant of Jesus Christ? Are you serving God? Or are you going to throw out some other title? Like I'm a member of victory. They didn't throw out any titles. Paul could have thrown out a whole bunch of titles. He said, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. What about you? And this is the results of your uh, service. That's what he's saying right there. When you are a servant to God, you will have fruit. You'll have spiritual fruit. We will see the fruit of the spirit. We'll see holiness and righteousness. But is that what we're seeing? Is your life being led by righteousness or is it being led by sin? Which way is it going? 1 Corinthians 7, 23, ye are bought with a price, be not ye servants of men. 1 Corinthians 6, 20, for ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We don't even belong to us anymore. When you're saved by Jesus Christ, he bought your life with his blood on the cross. When you accept him as Savior, not only does he cleanse you of sin, Not only are you a joint heir with Jesus Christ, you're a servant of Jesus Christ. You've got to serve somebody. Who are you going to serve? Who are you going to serve? We've got to choose righteousness. But one day, we're going to leave this world. Amen? Amen. One day, we're going to leave this world of sin. And we're going to see what John saw. Revelation 22 says this, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, and bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it. He's talking about what heaven's going to look like. And I'm excited by it because Jesus is there. But then he goes on at the end of Revelation 22, 3, and his servants shall serve him. You see that? Again, let me remind you where we're at. This is John. We're in the last chapter of the Bible. Everything has happened already. The Christians are in the new heaven. Jesus is there. It sounds exciting. He's explaining this river and the tree of life. And he says, in all this grandeur, his servants will do what? Rest forever. Do what we want to do. Have fun. His servants shall serve him. We're going to serve Jesus even after this life saying, well, Mike, I don't like that. Well, take it up with him. He died for you. You don't even deserve heaven. We're going to serve him. We're going to serve him. But again, I'll remind you, they served him in the Garden of Eden too. And gardening was a whole lot different before the curse. And we're going to serve him without the flesh. And finally, our bodies will be glorified. The sin nature will be gone. And what are we going to want to do in that point? We're going to want to serve him forever. When you see Jesus Christ, you're going to want to do two things. You're going to want to worship him. And you're going to want to give everything you got back to him. Let me ask you this question. We didn't cover this verse, but it was all last week. The next verse says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
this message has been to the Christians. But if you're not saved by Jesus Christ, you are a servant of sin. You say, Mike, I don't believe that. What drives your life? Think about it. You don't have to answer me, but think honestly. What drives your life today? What gets you out of bed? What motivates you? What is it? And is God for it or against it? Yeah. Hmm. You need Jesus Christ today. The Bible says all of sin that comes short of the glory of God. He died for your sins. He gave everything for you. But you have to choose whether you're going to accept it or reject it today. He will wash your sin away. You won't have to serve the devil anymore. And you can serve Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you it's a much better life. We went to a football game the other day and I was getting a bag, uh, getting a book bag from down in the basement to pack some things in it. And it, it was that same book bag that I've taken on every mission trip. And it's got a keychain from every country I've been on. And they, they just rattle. There's so many countries now. And as I was just loading that book bag, I was looking at that keychain. And I saw all the Philippines. And all of a sudden, Brother Preston, I started remembering some of the things that God blessed. I saw Costa Rica on there, and I thought, man, some of the blessings we had, some of the missionaries that I've met that have already gone home to be with the Lord. I saw Salvador and remembered time after time the different things God did. And this was just in a book bag. Yeah. You start going <clears throat> over your life. You're saved today, and you'll say, man, God's been good to me. Amen. It is a much better life than the life I had in sin. He helps you. He loves you today. He died for you, not to leave you in your sin, but so you could come out of it. Will you come to Jesus today? And if you've come to Jesus, will you serve him today? Who are you serving today? Because Paul's saying, by the authority of God, you're going to serve somebody. You're going to serve something. And it better be Jesus. I'm going to ask everyone to stand.